Having a plan for your business sounds so simple. In reality, it's often an overcomplicated, stressful mess. People respond to extreme situations in very different ways, and that's true for all kinds of disaster situations. And for many, the COVID-19 situation is just that. This week, my guest is Roger Edwards, and Roger has built his career on three magic words, keeping marketing simple. In this episode, we talk about why pivoting should really just be an adjustment to what your customers want, and how the content creator lifestyle can support you through the tough times and going big on personal branding can help you stand out during lockdown and beyond. And we talk about much, much more. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every week I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, then take a second right now to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes and you can grab some older ones when you're done with this one. Don't forget as well, you can join my Facebook community. Just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. So welcome along and let's meet Roger. So this week, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show, Roger Edwards. Roger, I think you were one of my very first guests back in 2018, something like that. And I remember that because I was super nervous. I was very new to podcasting. And I have, I think we've kind of kept up a bit. We've met each other a few times and you've got some really exciting news. So I was really keen to have you back on the show to talk about lots of different things but for the listener who hasn't listened to virtually every single episode and why haven't you why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are where you are and the kind of work you do yeah great thanks bob for having me back absolutely delighted to be back on the show and and yeah as you say we have kept in touch with we've met at a few conferences although i guess since covid came along those haven't been in person which is a real shame well i'm roger roger edwards and i live in edinburgh have lived in edinburgh for 27 years obviously not from edinburgh i'm originally from blackpool um i've spent the majority of my career in marketing, uh, in re- originally within the financial services industry, working for fairly big brands, to be perfectly honest. Uh, and I worked my way up from marketing assistant to eventually being marketing director of a, of a couple of big financial services brands. I even ended up being the MD of one of the brands for a while. <laughs> and that was probably a, little, a promotion too far, to be honest. But, <laughs> but all the way through my career, I've always had this issue with complexity uh, and perhaps that is, a, is a, a, a result of having worked in financial services for so long because UK financial services by default of by definition a very complicated industry and I got the opportunity in 2012 to leave big corporate as I call it big corporate and in inverted commas and to start working as a consultant with smaller businesses that are perhaps a little bit more nimble a little bit more interested in doing new stuff, especially with digital becoming so much more accessible around that time. And and so I left big corporate and since then I've been enjoying working with smaller businesses as a consultant and also as a as a as a marketing speaker, helping people to put together simple marketing strategies. And and really that's what I've been about. I think one of the things I really love about you is your consistency. Mm-hmm. There are lots of people dabble, they try things, but you've been a podcaster for a lot longer than I've been a podcaster. You have a YouTube channel that actually does really quite well. Mm-hmm. You're doing virtual speaking, virtual training, that kind of thing, as I guess an evolution of the speaking that you've been doing consistently. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to hear from you Again, maybe this is something we can go into a little more deeply later on, but what did that look like for you at the beginning of that journey back in 2012? Mm -hmm. And how has that consistency in your own digital output in particular? Yeah. how, How has your business evolved and how has your experience of doing that changed over time? It, it, this is a really interesting question, Bob, and I, I'm, I'm trying to think back. There was a point in time when I was still working in big corporate, and 
I was probably working on an advertising campaign and I had a conversation. I can't remember it now unless whether it was my boss or whether it was the head of the agency that we were working with. But I remember we'd been working on this campaign for a long time and it was quite successful and it brought business in. And we ha- we're having a meeting with the agency and the idea was we want you to effectively go away and come up with something completely different. And it was either my boss or the agency says, no, 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 actually we stick with this. And we probably stick with this for at least another two years, maybe three years. And the reason why we're going to do that is because it's working. And you're the only person who's sick of it and wants to move on. Because, you know, you have devoted a fair proportion of your work time over the last 18 months to this. But the vast majority, if not all of the target audience, won't have spent anywhere near as much time on that or seeing that advertising campaign and therefore they're not sick of it it's working for them so carry on doing it and I think he he drew an allusion to or an, an analogy with the uh, smash advert at the time you know for mash get smash and apparently a, quite a while ago. <laughs> you know apparently a, a similar thing had happened you know we, we should dump this thing that we've been using for ages and, and their agency said, no, 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 don't, because this resonates with the consumer. And I think that as I headed out of big corporate in 2012, and, and, and I'll be perfectly honest, one of the main reasons I headed out of big corporate was they were frightened of using all this new digital technology that we were we were getting used to. They were scared of Twitter. They were scared of video. They were scared of other social media they 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 liked to do the old traditional marketing and i think that one of the downsides potentially of digital is that it gives us opportunity to change what we're doing in the blink of an eye and it becomes so much easier to say do you know what i've done seven episodes of this podcast it's not working i'm going to go and do a video and then seven episodes of video later do you know what this video isn't working i'm going to go and do something else and everything's become so fast and easy to change that we've lost the sight of the fact that something successful and something consistent actually has long-term advantages and if you do stick with it then it's so much more powerful than going from one spot to the other from one shiny toy to the other but the pressure these days bob and and you'll know this as well from from other conversations you've had with people one person saying no 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 you've got to be doing email another person says no 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 you should be doing facebook and whatever it might be and the the tendency is oh i'm going to change something i'm going to go and play with this other shiny toy but the power of consistency you should never underestimate it whether you're living in a print world whether you're living in a tv advertising only world or whether you're living in a digital world consistency is likely to be more powerful than any of the shiny toys that you've got your hands on for a couple of weeks or a couple of months so be consistent and keep doing the same things obviously if they're working if they if they aren't working then you've got to change it but sometimes it takes time for something to work I can't remember was it Mark Schaefer who said it's a minimum of 30 months when you start something to become known for it well that's quite a long time when it's easy to say right that's it I've done seven episodes I'm going to go over here and do something else I didn't know he'd said that but that kind of rings true and Mm -hmm. it kind of leads me to what was going to be my next question Mm -hmm. still is and that's when you started your podcast like a lot of people, it probably felt like a bit of a waste of time, a bit of a vanity exercise for quite a long time. At what point in your podcasting career, sticking with the podcast specifically for the moment, yeah, did you realize, actually, there's something happening here? This is starting to have an impact on my business. Yeah. I mean, I'll be, I have to admit, it did start off almost like a vanity thing. When I left big corporate, I... When, when I was in big corporate, I was doing a lot of PR work. Um, I, I was the marketing director, but I was also the main spokesperson for the company. And I did have quite a big uh, profile within the industry. And when I left, I thought, I'm going to have to do something, even though I'm not working for a big corporate anymore. I'm going to have to do something to keep that 
profile up. So the original idea of the podcast was just to make sure people still heard from me quite regularly. And and that was all it was for, to be perfectly honest. Um, And I also remember at the time people who were becoming established as podcasters, people like Marcus Sheridan and uh, a guy called Ryan Hanley, were always quoting this, you know, if you make it past seven episodes, you're doing well. Um, (laughs) You know, most podcasts don't get past seven episodes. And I remember getting past seven episodes and thinking, yeah, I'm enjoying this. You know, that the the early days was I just like doing podcasting. It's, it you know you know what it's like. It's just nice to talk to people in an interview situation. You you know you learn as much from your guests uh, as you hope your audience is going to learn as well. And then you said, oh, I'm, I'm at episode fifty now. I'm going to have to celebrate that success. Um, and then you get to episode 100 and you're going to have to celebrate that success even more. But Bob, it wasn't until episode 33, which is just shy of a year, that I can honestly say I got a piece of paid work out of it. And I know for a fact that it was an article for a magazine and I think I earned 250 quid. (laughs) And so somebody would say, so you did 33 episodes of a podcast before you got 250 quid back and yes i guess that's the answer but by the time episode 88 had come i got a five figure sum um so over 10 grand um in consultancy as a direct result of somebody hearing me on the podcast and for a while the podcast became my main source of new business of 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 new clients in fairness, it's sort of, it's not fizzled out. It's gone down since the, since COVID. Uh, I think a lot of podcasters have found that their download numbers have either plateaued or gone down slightly because uh, people haven't actually had more time on their hands. Maybe the illusion is that they have, but a lot of people have been busy. But for a long time, the podcast was my main source of income uh, and a way of getting speaking engagements and and, and moving into uh, consultancy situations. And I think there is the direct benefit of the the tangible opportunity that comes as an obvious outcome. So the sales inquiry, somebody said, I listened to your podcast, I'd like to speak to you about a commercial opportunity. But then there are the other less tangible things like your network has changed and you're moving in slightly different circles, mm-hmm. and those circles bring opportunities. Mm-hmm. So, and and it's repeating those key messages. You know, you said it before. Uh, I've been talking the simplicity thing in my career for twenty odd years. I've been talking about it in my podcast. You know, I constantly repeat the same things, and I'll sometimes sit there thinking, "Oh, Roger, your audience." genuinely don't want to hear that again but actually that's fine it's it's like the theme music to eastenders or the theme music to coronation street (laughs) it becomes part of what you do and people remember it for that very reason it's part of your script and and again i think that consistency it starts to call it an earworm don't they it's something that buries itself into your ears and you can't stop humming it well you know people start to associate simplicity with roger edwards he's the sim- he's the guy who does marketing simple um engage don't enrage that sort of thing and, and and that's why i'm such a big fan of of that consistency message yeah something i heard matthew kimberley say the other day was if you want to be remembered for something you better be repetitive yes absolutely right <laughs> so i want to ask you about youtube before we come on to the book mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. i watch your youtube videos occasionally and they're a bit of a puzzle to me they're really really well made and you kind of roam across lots of different topics what would you say the if you were to explain your youtube t- channel to someone how would you explain it it's a very difficult one and and i <laughs> i think that my my youtube is more of an experimental platform to be perfectly honest 
I'm probably break if if you if you go onto YouTube and watch the so-called YouTube experts, they will say you've got to pick a topic and niche down into that specific topic, annihilate the hell out of keywords around that topic, and you know do your SEO, do your search optimization, and, and all of that sort of thing, and make sure that that is your focus and therefore you will build this great big audience um now now i'm sure that strategy works you know there's a there's a lady i've been following an american lady called annie recently and she's gone from something like 2000 subscribers to about 48000 subscribers simply by doing videos that teach people how to do videos it's you know it's nuts uh, but she's following this this sort of focus rule that that youtube have i i i have three types of video i do on youtube the first is i call it rog vlog and and that's really just my behind the scenes life of me being a speaker and and uh, a marketing consultant and, and and as you would expect until lockdown the rog vlog tend tended to be me traveling to London to do a speech at Upreneur Summit or me going to Belgrade to do a speech at a conference in, in, in Serbia. <laughs> the vlogs have changed a little bit since because I've not been on a plane or a train or a, or a bus for six months, but that was more, this is Roger behind the scenes. I then sort of do these videos which are called Marketing Made Simple, which are really three or four minutes of me just picking up on a particular marketing issue could be consistency for example and I just say right this is about consistency this is why you should you should be consistent blah 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 then call to action so it's sharp and it's and it's snappy and it finishes quickly and I guess that the YouTube experts would say to me Roger stop all that Roger vlog stuff that's you need to do, or you just need to do the marketing made simple time and time and time and time and time again. But I, I'm, I'm not in this for multi-million followers and this, that, and the other. Okay, you might get a bit of revenue out of it, I guess, but that's not what motivates me. What motivates me more about YouTube is is testing things out and playing with things, learning how to do video, because the world we're in now, a lot of these online conferences are looking for people to really stand out. In their online presentations and a lot of those online presentations can be pre-recorded and I'm sort of thinking a lot of these things are going to look more like mini television productions so I'm trying to use the video the, the YouTube experience to learn how to put together a really well-made video and you kindly said that they do look well made so I guess that experience is, is rubbing off. Uh, but yeah, I am probably breaking the established rules for being a successful YouTuber. Having said that, I have noticed my subscription rate has crept up more recently than it has done in the past. So maybe I have touched a few of the right buttons recently as well. I think there there are two reasons to use YouTube, or there are two maybe two, two approaches to it. There's, I want to build my YouTube subscriber base in order that I can become YouTube famous for something. Yeah. Or there's, I want to use YouTube as a platform to express myself and connect with people. Yes. And I think that's what you do really, really well, that mm -hmm. you don't, you, you're not sort of just turning one face to the world and being really, really quite sterile. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But when you visit your YouTube channel, you get to know Roger. Yeah. And that's actually what I think is so special about it. Mm -hmm. And again, I think you, you you can put an act on, you know, you can have a stage persona, um, and, and a lot of actors do that. Obviously, have stage personas. I guess some comedians do have that sort of thing as well. But I I, I guess I've always just liked being me. Uh, again, I can remember one of the early days of of doing speaking. I was presenting at a conference in London and a lot of people came up to me and said, oh, your speech was the best of the day, blah, 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 blah. And one person says, and do you know why you stood out so well? It's because you've got a northern accent Ra rather than everybody else sort of having the sort of BBC <laughs> polished sort of newsreader st style approach. You just stood out because you talk like normal people and, you know, Yes, you can put a facade on, but eventually the facade will slip and somebody will see into the real you. So why not be the real you straight from the beginning? So 
Let's talk about COVID because okay. that's kind of it's it's caused you problems. It's caused me problems. It's caused everybody problems in one way or another. Mm-hmm. We don't really want to talk anymore about the problems that have come out of COVID. But where have you found potentially glimmers of lights, or you've learned new ways of approaching opportunities you hadn't really seen before, or? What have been the positive things that have happened in your world yeah. through COVID? I think I think the the, the big thing that the, the penny dropped for me quite early on, uh, and again I, I was I was looking at a lot of the the sort of what I would call global marketing gurus, and I, and I always say guru with an invert with big inverted commas, mm. uh, and a lot of that we've had this conversation before, Bob. Marketing isn't just about communications it's not just about social media and advertising and email and promotion it's also about understanding your customer developing a product or a service that meets the need of the customer and and once you've done that and thrown a few goals and then you can go away and start doing the communication but early on in covid you got the the global marketing gurus coming in with these you know you need to pivot your business you need to shift everything online you need to focus on this and i'm thinking well you might need to do those things but everybody's different every business is different every individual's different and the only way you can know for certain whether you need to pivot or whether you need to focus online or whether you need to go all in on facebook ads is to do what marketers should always do and that is look at what their customers needs are and it's very possible and indeed it did not possibly it was the fact a lot of people's needs changed because of covid and therefore you change your model you change your product you change your service to fit that new customer need and then you go and you you communicate it and right early on i that i I made i just it just the penny dropped you've just got to you can't pivot until you know where you're going and and i got quite cross early on with some of those bigger more um famous is is perhaps not the right word but you know high profile marketers who were just using it as a as a way to ram facebook ads down people's throats or you must pivot this that and the other yeah and a lot of the work that i was doing bob was speaking at events and they all got cancelled um doing workshops going traveling across the uk and europe to visit people and do workshops all of that got cancelled now the immediate response to all of that would have been you know following the advice of those gurus is pivot become online totally online and no no i had to understand what the customers were wanting and 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 unfortunately a, a lot of those people who had booked me to go and do workshops in person in their offices were now in a bit of trouble themselves you know they were having to work out whether to furlough their staff or whether to lay their staff off whether they to make the offices you know completely sterile for a, 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 when we ever came back or move to working from home permanently and and actually marketing on what i do was totally and utterly off the agenda for them so even if i did pivot to be an online provider those particular customers that i was well in with just weren't interested anymore so it wasn't just a question of saying i need to go online i just need to actually review who my actual customers are now in fairness things are start those particular customers have ironed out a few of their problems and and are starting to look back at marketing again and, and it's coming together but you can't just assume that because everybody says go online that that that's the thing to do having said that there's one event that uh I am involved with as as de facto marketing director uh, and it's a big in-person conference um, which takes place in a prestigious London hotel in July now that obviously never went ahead we postponed it until December thinking that everything will be back to normal by December and it's it's not going to go ahead in December now as you would expect but what we did do in July was a, a sort of mini online event but rather than just saying or we'll just go on to Zoom like everybody else is doing, or we'll just get some webinar software, go to webinar or whatever it might be, and do a webinar. We'll actually ask people what they want. And a lot of people said, you know, we're, we're, we're suffering from Zoom fatigue here, and the last thing we want to do is sit in front of a computer for an entire day 
listening to really long speeches on Zoom. So we thought, fine, no Zoom, no webinar. We're going to do it on YouTube. Pre-record seven talks, each lasting seven minutes, followed by 25 minutes of live debate. And we broadcast that live over YouTube. I think it lasted an hour and a half, all told. And within that sector of the industry, it blew everybody away because they thought, wow, this is fantastic. It's so well produced. It looks and feels snappy, on point. It's hard hitting and fast. And and actually people sent us messages saying it went by in a flash and you change the speaker so often that we never, our, our attention span never uh, never went away and and I think that you know it was a it was a total reinvention of 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 what was happening in that particular sector in the financial services sector so that was that has been the biggest lesson for me is don't listen to the the people with the biggest um, egos and the biggest profiles go back to the basics of marketing talk to your customers and work out what it is that they need and then build your service and product around that need yeah i think i do not like the word pivot because it implies a degree of permanence Mm. and that one thing i've been encouraging my clients to keep in mind is that you should never approach a short-term problem with a change in your long-term strategy absolutely and that has worked out quite well but that doesn't mean you you can't adjust you have to accommodate the current situation you have to adapt and but still keep what was the initial goal that that goal hasn't changed no so you really just have to go around the mountain rather than through it and and who knows where we're going to be you know conferences live conferences may not come back in a you know in the, i certainly can't see a social media marketing world happening in the next 12 months um maybe we'll get back to smaller events with with social distancing and i know that human beings me as much as anybody i do crave that live interaction with people in a room, uh, you know, and that discussion in the pub afterwards, you can't beat that. But mm. for the time being, it's not going to happen. So we, we need to be mindful of that. So one thing that you have done during COVID is your new joint venture podcast with Pascal Fantoni, yep. which looks like an awful lot of fun because knowing you both, you have a lot in common. Yeah. And it really boils out in this podcast, which is hugely entertaining. So how did that come about? And yeah, what are your plans for that? And or I guess for the for the for the for the one or two listeners that might not have listened to it, what can they expect? Right. Well, it's called Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast. Um so it's a bit of an off the wall title. Now, Pascal Fintoni, I met Pascal um at a upreneur event probably about five years ago and he was doing a speech about how to be better at using video um and i had a really long conversation with him the night before in the bar which went on into the early hours and then i saw his presentation the following day and we kept in touch after that and and i loved what he was saying about framing shots and scripting and storytelling and I immediately went out and started putting that into practice and I guess he really appreciated the fact that I'd learned stuff from him and was was so keen to follow it up so we we became really good friends and we would often find ourselves either going to conferences or or just meeting up in Newcastle or Edinburgh and sitting in a coffee shop or in a bar drinking wine having the sorts of conversations that we have on this podcast and at the end of the at the end of the session whether it was coffee and we were both climbing the walls because of caffeine or at the end of the session in the pub when we've probably had too much to drink we said you know what we should have recorded that conversation because we got into some really interesting material about marketing and about strategy and and this went on honestly bob for about two years and every time we finished these sessions we'd say oh we should have bloody recorded that shouldn't we so we made a pact that we would actually try doing it one day and actually recording it. And that was really when the idea of the podcast came about. Let's have it as a as a show which has got the segments. So we start off with the in the news, which is simply news that's caught our attention over the last week. Could be a, you know, uh, 
Asda launch a new pricing campaign or something. Then we have a segment which is all about focusing on a piece of content that's really caught our attention and that's usually a a podcast episode or a, or an article in marketing week or something like that and we go into that in quite a bit of detail and you know why is the person written it like this what's the angle what's the implications for people then there's a section about tech where we what's our favorite tech uh, app of the week or our favorite platform of the week then we talk about um this week in history marketing in history you know uh launch of sputnik this that and the other whatever it might be then we do content spotlights where we shout out names of people who are doing great things and and i think you got a shout out last week bob for your podcast i did it was a big surprise (laughs) and then and it shouldn't have been a surprise at all and then the final section which is definitely the most off the wall is called film marketing because pascal and i are both geeks we're both science fiction geeks predominantly uh, well, we just pick a film and we talk about that film from the just from the point of view of the film that we love, but also how was it marketed originally, or what could be the lessons that you can learn from that film. And we've done, I mean, we've only done eleven episodes, but we've we've talked about films from Flash Gordon. We talked about On Her Majesty's Secret Service, the George Lazenby James Bond film, because Diana Rigg sadly died that week. Uh, I think we even did Mamma Mia one week, and, and it's just <laughs> here, here's the film, here's what we like about it. Uh, but these are the marketing lessons that you can you can get from it from how they marketed the film originally or just the you know if it's a 25 year old film how it's become part of the you know the fabric of pop culture so i think going forward that the, the biggest the biggest danger is that we love it so much that the episodes have been getting longer and longer and we are trying to to pull it back uh but we do we do get carried away and we did say well let, let's let's just see how it goes we won't edit it um so you know we'll probably carry on until t- people say for the love of god do shorter episodes <laughs> or something like that yeah i think maybe at some point the platforms are going to catch on that they have to put in some kind of chaptering for podcasts <laughs> but if people don't like it they won't listen and certainly anybody that does love film and wants to learn about great marketing using the the, the metaphors and and the stories of these films mm. it, it's a great listen so you have written a book yes and i know you've been working on this for a long time and i saw the other day that it was nearly ready yeah and i know yesterday or today you got your printing proofs yes i did i've got it here in my hands and honestly bob it's such an amazing feeling to actually have a printed book i know that most people don't read printed books these days and in fact they they probably buy them on kindle but the printed so it's got not for resale and sort of draft splattered across the front so it it definitely isn't the, the the copy that people who buy it will get but yeah it's in my hand i can rustle the pages and uh yeah it's uh, it should have come out earlier in the year but i, I the main aim of the book is almost like a, a big calling card for me to use for my speaking engagements and my consultancy and given that most of that business effectively disappeared at the start of the year it just didn't seem to me to be a priority to get the book out and in fact again I spoke to a few people um, you know on the one hand they were saying oh but there's all these people on furlough who've got all this time on their hands it's a great time to get a book out there but then other people were saying do you know what I've never been busier or I've got the kids to look after I have not got time to read a book so I thought I'm actually going to just delay it so um, it's going to come out soon but obviously it's a bit later than I'd planned and is that did you delay it because you had other things to do or did you was it a more a proactive no no i'm going to slow down on this no it was definitely a decision to slow down i mean at the start of the year i had a lot of um events in my diary and the idea was that the book would be part of the of the deal and i would Mm. be allowed to sell copies or at least um highlight it and when all of those disappeared i just thought i could i could carry on doing it but I just felt that I would have to spend more time and potentially money on actually marketing it to an audience who was probably busy with other things or worried about other things I just thought it just doesn't it doesn't I, I, I need to feel that the market for speaking and consultancy is in my niche 
is coming back. Um, and in, in reality, it probably hasn't come back enough yet. But I, I thought, no, I, the autumn is the time to do it. So, so yeah. it, it's it's nearly here. It's nearly here, and uh, the cover the the book's called Cats, Mats, and Marketing Plans, which is um, it's a little bit of a weird title. But I didn't want it to be marketing for dummies or marketing made simple or anything like that. It it re- it reflects one of the key segments that I've been doing in my talks for years. It's quite a it's quite a, uh, a vivid cover. Uh, designed by Cole Gray, who I think was on on your show quite recently yeah. as well. Cole's done a fab job on it, um, so, so I'm really excited about about that. And and the visual is is very important to me. So uh, yeah, it's it's great to get here. So what can the reader expect? Uh, consistent messages. <laughs> Everything that we've said already, it's pretty much in there. It's all about. The, the two main things, are, I mean, on the front of the cover, it says how to build a simple marketing strategy and avoid complexity as your business grows. And, and that's really the two things that I'm about. A, strategy is important. And by strategy, I mean what we said earlier in the show. It's not just about communications, Bob. It's about ident- identifying your customer, the customer need, and building the product to service that need. That's the strategy bit. But as you know, academia... And, and the internet and certainly big corporate can make strategy incredibly complicated. So the book really is aimed at people who haven't got a marketing background and perhaps find themselves in charge of marketing. It's almost like a, a, a simple guide to how to do the whole lot. And then the second part is once you've got it in there and your business starts to become more successful and as you grow, how do you avoid complexity creeping into your business as it often does as, as companies get bigger um, so it's really a it's really a bit of, of two halves it's put the strategy together start to become successful but then stop yourself from becoming complicated and bureaucratic as time goes by I think actually it would probably suit a lot of people who are in marketing roles and do have a marketing background as well mm-hmm. because I think there's definitely a trend where um, I don't know if it's a trend or if it's what it is, but a lot of people will either jump straight to, to tactics, yes, or they will not really understand what strategy is. Now, anybody listening from a marketing background, don't be insulted. You're not that guy, but I do find a lot of people don't really understand what a marketing strategy is, and they confuse it with a tactical yes um, choice. Yes. And I know, having seen you speak, that painting this picture between this is a strategy and these are the tactics you're going to need to to deliver that strategy. There are two different sets of decision altogether. Mm -hmm. And if, if, if more people got a hold of that, even when they're in marketing roles, because they're trained in complexity, Mm -hmm. not in simplicity. Yeah. It's not their fault, but a simple plan executed well will trump a complicated plan poorly implemented every single time absolutely right and and i I like stories as you know bob and and one of the the joys of being able to write this book is to use stories that have actually been real things that have happened to me throughout the years you know so I, i i tell the story way back of you know one of the reasons i became so obsessed with complexity was because i remember being involved in a strategic away week where we all went off to some country house and they'd employed some consultant from a gigantic global consultancy um, and he was a stereotypical person who opened his mouth and just management speak flowed out over everybody. It was almost like he was spraying management speak across the room. <laughs> and and we spent that week putting post-it notes on walls and rearranging the post-it notes and doing SWOT analysis and pest analysis. And, and I'm not knocking it from the from the point of view of it was a good exercise but it was the complicated end of the spectrum and I just remember you know so many of the people were getting frustrated by this and and just didn't know what they were doing there and and the 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 upshot of it was all we were really doing was saying who's the customer what's their problem and how do we fix that problem better than our competitors that was really what we were doing and and the book tell stories like that as to how 
this sort of simplicity thing became that earworm that will just not come out of my brain and that I've been repeating year upon year and and hopefully that that message will will help people who might be starting to feel that their lives are just as complicated as that I think one thing that you really embody is I'm sure I've heard this from both Chris Tucker and Gary Vaynerchuk. Like, I think Chris puts it in, pers- in, the, in, the, in the terms of every business should embrace actually becoming part media company mm. or every personal brand business needs to embrace being a media company. Yeah. And Gary Vaynerchuk quantified it a little bit more firmly saying every business should be 80%, whatever it is they do for money, and 20% media company. Mm. Mm. And you really embody that in a way that very few marketers do in your world in particular but mm-hmm. in in the world in general especially in the UK this almost creator lifestyle mm-hmm. is something that I think so many people should embrace mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I guess I would sort of ask you for your reflection on that if you were if you met somebody in the street and said oh this COVID it's, it's tough I can't network I can't see the people I used to see. I can't do all the things that I used to do. And then they're they're looking at YouTube and podcasting and thinking this looks like a very long road. Yeah. What would you say to them? Wow. It, it it's it's a it's an interesting one. I'm, um, you know, just just picking up on the media company thing. After we did that that uh, online conference I mentioned before, seven talks for seven minutes. I was talking to the CEO of of that business, and this was completely unprompted from him. And he says, "I've been sitting here reflecting upon what we've just done," and he said, "You know, for the last fifteen years, we've been a conference company." We put on a conference once a year. He says, do you know what? We're not that anymore. We're a media company. And I thought, oh, yes, <laughs> there you go. Somebody, for the pennies drop for somebody. And, and he, he's absolutely right. And and this, this is a bit of a conundrum for me because I think if you think about generations, I am Gen X. Now, a lot of Gen X people, and I've seen Mark Sheridan write this recently, you know, people probably in their 40s to early 50s, a lot of them are, are actually technophobic or they don't like digital, you know, they're a little bit nervous with video, probably a bit suspicious of um, social media. And, and that, that is certainly my experience with within the financial services industry and one of the reasons why I got out of big corporate. And I've often wondered why I'm a Gen X person that seems to have embraced all of this stuff and hasn't been phased by it and as genuine I mean I sit there sometimes think you know I wish I'd had YouTube when I was in my 20s you know um mm. I would you know <laughs> I'd just love to have had access to YouTube when I was in my 20s and all these cameras and this recording equipment you know when I was the first time I ever appeared on a video it cost the company about 40 grand to get a film <laughs> crew in to come and, and film us and edit the videotape um, I think what I would say to people is that COVID has taught us that the world can change and it doesn't necessarily have to go back to the where it, where it was now an example is that I spent a lot of time traveling all the way around the UK because a lot of the people I do business with who just would not have Zoom meetings. Now, I've been using Zoom for my podcast like you have for many, many, many years, five years maybe. And yet I've had a lot of resistance from clients for, to have meetings over Zoom. So that meant I've spent a lot of my time on planes or on trains traveling to meet people and to have meetings with people. But now COVID's come along. And, oh, Zoom's the best thing since sliced bread. And they all suddenly realise that they can save money on travel expenses and this, that and the other. But then you hear the government saying, oh, but we've all got to get back to the office because otherwise the coffee shops will close and the the city centre shops will be... Now, that's true, but has the world changed to suggest that actually what we should be doing is re-envisaging the city centres? So... Yes, maybe those coffee shops and, and supermarkets can't be supported by the working population, but what happens if all those empty offices get re-envisaged envisaged as, as homes or flats mm. or whatever it is? Just change the landscape. And, 
you know, those people who maybe find it a little bit difficult because their networking meetings have stopped or they're no longer meeting up with their colleagues, that we may never go back to the way it was because this is, this is for better or for worse, a new way of working. And the best way, you know, going back to the marketing lessons that we were talking about, the, the best way to get ahead is to stand out in a way that doesn't annoy people and that engages people. And now that's a marketing view, but from an individual point of view, embrace the new technology, become comfortable with it, and you can still tap into your network, you can still tap into your colleagues, you can still tap into the things you like, the things that, you know, motivate you and stimulate you it's just a different way of doing it and and it's almost that don't wait for it to go back to the way it was because it might not um, and I'm, and I know that's not easy um, but that's a Gen Xer talking who doesn't understand how he got into this position where he's comfortable with all this snazzy technology <laughs> Roger I am looking at the time we have been talking for a long time <laughs> and we should probably bring things to a close soon. But there is one question I really want to ask you, okay. which is a bit of a flip away from what we were talking about just now. Okay. And that is when you're doing video content, something you do, and when I see people do this, I really admire it because I currently do not, and I know I would find it really difficult. And that's, you're filming out in public sometimes. Yeah. How do you do that? I've got to ask you. Oh, well, let me just start by saying you only ever see the completed video. (laughs) And honestly, going around, walking around town, I mean, I I, I use a a, a Lumix um, DSLR camera, which isn't the biggest you can get, but it's it's not not small and compact like an iPhone. And I've also got a great big directional mic on top of it. And I often have a sort of tripod stand so it's fairly noticeable so honestly bob there is many times when i've said to my wife i'm just popping down to the harbor or i'm going into into edinburgh to do a video and i've got there and i've wandered around and i've thought you know what there are too many people around here i'm not and i chicken out and i bottle it and you never see any of that <laughs> i'm really um, glad <laughs> you know you don't see any of that or or, the, or there'll be um you know i was down at the harbour doing a video yesterday and and it was a glorious day absolutely glorious day and i was down early and there was nobody about and i absolutely nailed this take almost in one i think i had to i had to restart one bit towards the end and just as i was about to finish some woman came and right up behind me on a on a bike and stopped to ask me something and it totally and utterly ruined the entire shot um but i'd been careful to go down to the harbor early because i knew there wouldn't be that many people around but i can guarantee if i'd have gone down in the afternoon and been busy oh i would have i would have but having said that if you are out and about, the main thing to remember is that most people might glance at you and think, oh, that guy's got a big camera. Oh, that microphone looks a bit phallic or whatever it might be. <laughs> but then they'll go on to thinking about whatever else it was that was worrying them, whether they're going to be late for a meeting or whether they're going to get home in time for tea or whether they're going to miss Coronation Street or whatever. They'll, they might give you an instantaneous thought they may even think you look like a prat, but they'll only think it for a microsecond. They don't care. And if you can get that into your head, then, you know, who cares? Just do it. Just do it. No, Nobody really minds. <laughs> so that's what it boils down to is just suck it up a buttercup. I think so. I think so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let, let's face it. I said to you, I wish that I'd had access to video when I was in my 20s and I had hair. And, you know, nowadays I, I sometimes look at myself. I've got a great big round face, bald and everything like that. You know, and in my um, early 50s, I'm saying, you know, this is not a pleasant thing to look at. You know, uh, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not, you know, Bruce, Bruce Willis in his twenties or, or Pierce Brosnan in his twenties, you know, this is me, but you know, there are a lot of people out there who just will relate to somebody who has got a message and has got some enthusiasm and, and, and you, you know, you just have to overcome that. Some people don't like the sound of their own voice. Some people don't ha- like how they look. 
And if that is you, you just have to try and find a way of overcoming it. I think the answer is repetition. Yeah. You, you can become accustomed to that quite quickly, but mm-hmm. it is quite visceral when you're new to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Roger, we should bring things to a close. Yeah. And I have become accustomed to asking all my guests the same question towards the end of the interview. Yeah. And that's, what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? Ooh. And normally I give them a little bit of warning. And um, for the listener, I haven't given Roger any warning. Yeah, I, I it, do you know, one, one of the things that, I, that does annoy, annoy me a lot at the moment is this, uh, as a podcast host, and I'm sure you get this all the time, you probably get approached by podcast guest agencies and they'll say, Bert Smith from new zealand is a great fit for your podcast and you're I, triggering me right <laughs> and i'll and i'll read this email and i'll think bert smith is absolutely nowhere nowhere near what i need for my podcast and this agency hasn't done any any um research on a my podcast or b my audience and i usually ignore the email and then the following day or or Two days later, I'll get the just circling back to see what you think about or just bubbling this to the top of your inbox or what did you think of Bert for your podcast? And in the end, I'll just probably write something. I'm sorry, but Bert's not not very um, suitable for my podcast, but thanks for thinking. I don't like to be rude to people, but thanks for thinking of me anyway. And on the one hand, that annoys me, Bob. It really does. But one of the failings that I have had and, and still have to a certain extent is that as a marketer, I guess I'm not a salesperson. And I'll often send a proposal and never hear anything. And I might send a reminder once, rarely twice, because I don't want to be that pushy person who circles back or who tries to bubble things to the top of inboxes. But do you know what? I think in this busy world the reason that they do it is because in the blink of the eye it can be gone and i think that sometimes going back i might have got a bit more business early on as a consultant if i'd just been a little bit more pushy but without being too annoying about it yeah that's a really good answer i think we could all do with being slightly more tenacious from time to time Mm -hmm. some of us Maybe less so, (laughs) if the podcast agencies are listening. Yes. Roger Edwards, you've been a fantastic guest. If people want to get in touch with you, and in particular, if they want to find out, A, when your book is going to be available, and B, how they can get it, how would you like them to do those things? Right. My website is rogeredwards.co.uk. There is going to be a dedicated page for the book by the time this podcast comes out, and that'll be rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash book just to keep it simple uh, i am on twitter a lot so at roger underscore edwards if you want to hit me up on twitter that would be absolutely fine always happy to have a chat roger edwards thank you very much for your time on the show hopefully i can have you back again sometime once the book's been out for a while you can tell us how it's going but for now thank you very much for your time fantastic bob always a pleasure to speak to you mate thanks Embracing the media, company, or creator culture isn't about looking for a tactical advantage. It's a long-term play, which, if you're doing it right, becomes part of who you are, part of your lifestyle. It doesn't just position you differently in the market, although it does. It positions you differently in life. It's a hard thing to explain. But if you're listening, you can pick that up from guest after guest after guest. And with Roger, this really stood out. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe, and if you haven't, then join my Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I would love to connect with you on social media. Follow me wherever you hang out. Just search at Bob Gentle. And if you do connect with me, let me know. That way I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review on iTunes. It means a lot to me and it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Roger for giving us his time this week and to you for listening and see you next week.